Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage today comes from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Listen for what God is saying. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who is leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to the servant's ability, then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them and went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried its master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five valuable coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll put you in charge of much. Come, celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid. And I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, have what is yours. His master replied, you evil and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed. In that case, you should have turned my money over to the bankers so that when I returned, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore, take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has ten coins. Those who have much will receive more, and they will have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Now take the, wor the worthless servant and throw him outside into the darkness. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of the scripture. Thanksgiving to you all. My name is Kate Garricky, and I am the uh, student pastor here at Urban Village Church. And uh, Pastor Emily has been gracious enough to uh, hand me her metaphorical uh, pulpit today so that we can uh, look at this text in Matthew together. And uh, as a way of getting into the text today, um, I want to invite you to imagine with me that you are Jeff Bezos. Um, now, you might not recognize the name Jeff Bezos by name, but I would imagine that everyone in this room knows who Jeff Bezos is. Um, he is primarily known as the founder and CEO of Amazon.com, but he also, owns another of comp uh, he also owns a number of other companies as well. Uh, for example, five years ago, he bought the Washington Post for $250 million, a transaction he completed using only cash. Jeff Bezos is $55 billion richer than Bill Gates, making him not only the richest person in the world, but also 
the richest person in modern history. You are Jeff Bezos. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? <laughs> you are Jeff Bezos is the name of a new text-based adventure game that is circulating the internet right now. And the premise of this computer game is that one morning you wake up and find that you are now the richest person in modern history. And no one believes you when you tell them that this isn't you and you can't seem to find another way back to your body. And so the only way forward, the only way to win the game is to spend the entirety of Jeff Bezos' fortune. $156 billion. Like the servant in our parable today, you have been given an incomprehensible amount of money, and now you have to decide what you're going to do with it. I played You Are Jeff Bezos this week, and because I was in the midst of sermon writing, and perhaps because I was in the midst of sermon writing, I played You Are Jeff Be Bezos this week, but because I played it while I was sermon writing, I couldn't help but see the parallels between the game and our passage from Matthew today. In the parable of the talents, which is what we read, there is a rich Jeff Bezos-type character. And he calls together three of his servants and says, I'm going to be gone for a little while. I'm going on a business trip. And while I'm away, I want you to look after my things for me. And he gives them each some money. Actually, the word in the passage is entrust. He entrusts them with his money. And it's clear, at least on the surface, that he does, in fact, trust them. Because what he gives them is a talent. And a talent is no small sum of money. It's estimated that one talent was equivalent to 15 years' work, or to put it in other words, 6,000 days' wages. And it was no small coin. A talent was anywhere from 60 to 90 pounds, so this wasn't something that you could put in your pocket. And so our billionaire Jeff gives one servant five talents, the equivalent of 75 years' work, a second servant two talents, what they could expect to earn in 12,000 days' labor, and the third servant one talent, this master entrusts him, entrusts them with his fortune, and outside of that, he doesn't give them much guidance. And so he leaves on his business trip, and he comes back. And the first two servants must have been collaborating because somehow they come up with the same solution of what to do with the money. The first servant who has been given five talents has doubled their money. The second servant who was given two has done the same, and the third servant did not get the memo because what he did is he took this 60 to 90 pound thing and he dug a hole and he buried it in the ground and it was safe. The servant was asked and entrusted with this money and he kept it safe. But the first two people must have set too high a bar because what does his master say to him? He says, you evil and lazy servant. The least you could have done was invested it in a bank. We're in our third and final week of the sermon series, What is Money For? And if you've been here for the previous two weeks, you'll know that this is the third time we're looking at this passage in Matthew. And we're looking at this passage in the context of one of John Wesley's sermons called The Use of Money. John Wesley is the founder of Methodism, and in this sermon, he answers the question act asked in the Jeff Bezos computer game, the question asked implicitly by the master in the parable today, the question, 
what are you going to do with your money? And Wesley answers this question in three ways, which have been the three weeks of our sermon series. He says, earn all you can, which was week one. He says, give all you can, which was week two. And here we are in week three, save all you can. And it's funny timing personally for this topic, uh, because two Sundays ago, after hearing Pastor Emily preach the first sermon of this series, earn all you can, I got back to my room after church, and as I was changing outfits and moving items from one purse to another to get ready for the rest of my day, I realized that at some point between 8 a.m. in the morning and 2 p.m. in the afternoon, I had misplaced my wallet. And as quickly as I could, I ran back to this space, and I dug through the communion cart, and I dug through the hospitality bin in the kitchen, and it wasn't there. And I looked under all the chairs in the sanctuary, and it wasn't there. And out of pure desperation, I looked in the piano because there was no way that it would have been there. And it wasn't there. And I went back to my room and I did the same thing and it wasn't there. And I called Walgreens because that's the only other place that I had been. And it wasn't there either. And everything in my wallet is replaceable. And still I was flooded with panic and with fear and with dread and with embarrassment. And so the next day when I was able to physically go to Walgreens for the first time and I walked up to the front desk and I said, Hi, my name's Kate, I lost my wallet. It's small and it's blue, and this is the last place I was, and I think it might be here. Have you seen it? And they said, yes. I felt a wave of release. And as I walked out into the Walgreens parking lot, clutching my wallet with all of my might, I looked down at the ground and was suddenly aware of all of the holes and potholes that you could accidentally drop something into and lose forever. And I thought the equivalent of, oh my gosh, if I could only bury this in the ground so that I would not be in danger of losing it, so that I could keep it safe. The first thing, or one of the first things the servant says in defense of his actions is, I was afraid. He acts out of fear. He is so afraid of losing his master's money that not doing anything with it seems like the safest option. And maybe I'm just projecting, but that seems like a completely rational response to me, especially when you consider that in biblical times it was a common practice to bury valuable items in the ground during times of war or uncertainty. And we don't know that that's what's going on in this text, but the way that the servant responds tells us something about how he's viewing the world. Because sure, he could go out like the first two servants and double the money, but he could also lose it all. And so what does he do? He protects the money. He saves the money. One thing I think is so clever about the game You Are Jeff Bezos is that it doesn't give you an option to save your money in the sense of protecting it. You literally can only win the game when you've spent the entire fortune. And by doing so, it transforms the question from how can I protect this thing to how do I want to use this thing? Are you going to spend $139 billion rebuilding Puerto Rico? Are you going to spend $20 billion ending homelessness in the United States? Will you pay off the remaining student loans of every person in the world? Please, will you do that? Will you hire 100,000 new teachers for four years each? Or my personal favorite, will you reboot the beloved TV show Mythbusters? (laughs) These are all options presented in the game. And because it's asking you to prioritize your money instead of protecting your money, 
it demonstrates quite well what Wesley is trying to teach when he says, save all you can. When he says, save all you can, he's not saying, preserve everything. He's saying, if we have a limited amount of resources, be discerning in how you want to use it. Now, we're in the third week of this sermon series, and so we know that Wesley doesn't give a rule without giving a number of guidelines. And so, on this rule, he says, don't waste your money on frivolous things. Don't spend your money trying to impress other people. Be content with what nature requires. Do not throw that precious talent into the sea. He's not teaching us how to set up a bank account. He's teaching us how to make a functional budget. When we're not controlled by our fears, the question transforms from how can I protect this thing to how can I use this thing and how don't I want to use this thing. But this is only part of the equation because the fears that are connected to money have real and tangible consequences. And it's because of these tangible consequences that John Wesley talks about saving money. He preaches, we don't live in a vacuum. Our decisions about how we earn, how we save, and how we give certainly have an impact on us, but they also have an impact on our neighbor and on our community. And in a culture where the line in our parable For all those who have, more will be given. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. When this line seems to ring too true, we have to plan for financial hardships. It is unwise to live for today only. It is unwise to spend more than we can earn. It is unwise not to prepare for times when we need to meet our own sudden needs and the sudden needs of those around us. But I do think there's a difference between being attentive to our fears and being controlled by them. There's a difference between saving and hoarding. Saving isn't about endless accumulation, and it's not even entirely about preservation. It's about preparing, and it's about prioritizing. And in the spirit of practicing what we preach, I want to invite you into a conversation that UVC is in the midst of right now about how we might use this Wesleyan model of saving in our own community. So as many of you know, six months ago, uh, Pastor Brittany, who was the founding pastor at what has now become UVC's Edgewater location, was appointed to a new position in the Methodist Church as Chicago's Northwestern District Superintendent. And this left an opening in Edgewater... And instead of rushing to fill this new position with a new permanent employee, UVC decided to take this as an opportunity to look at how and reflect on how things are going. And so Aaron James Brown, who was acting as the director of discipleship, stepped into a temporary position as Edgewater's interim pastor, and our staff parish relations committee began collecting data about the operations and finances at UVC. And what the staff parish relations committee found was this. They found that you, the congregants and community of UVC, are faithful and predictable givers. Amen. Amen. And they found that in addition to the other things UVC is doing to earn money, which Pastor Emily talked about in the first week of this sermon series, things like planting a church cohort or a church planting cohort and authoring a book. In addition to these things, the UVC community has proven to be faithfully committed to the pledges you make in this stewardship season that we're in right now. 
And it's because of the intentional earning and your reliable giving that as a new church plant, UVC is financially self-sufficient, which is statistically a very uncommon thing. But the Staff Parish Relations Committee also found that 89% of the budget is going towards operating expenses. And that in quote-unquote financially healthy churches, this typically only makes up 40 to 60% of the budget. And so as a community, we have a choice. Knowing what we know now after the data collection and wanting to act as faithful stewards of our money and of your money, we can prepare. And so the executive staff and the members of the Staff Parish Relations Committee turned the question back on you and asked, what do you want to prioritize? How can we prepare now so that we might minimize future consequences should we run into a financial hardship in the future? How do you, how do we, as a community, want to use our money and our time? And in September, we had a town hall meeting about this, and in response to some of the, uh, the response to the survey that we sent out, we heard two things loud and clear about what's important about the UBC community. The first is that there's not much interest or excitement about video casting sermons. <laughs> that having a physical presence in this space is something we want to prioritize. And the second is that the majority of you want our social justice and outreach portion of our ministry to be focused on our community here in Chicago. But like I said earlier, this is a conversation that's continuing. And so if you have questions or comments, if you're interested in learning more, if you want your voice to be, per be heard as we save and we prepare and we prioritize, we have two people in the Hyde Park Woodlawn site who are our point people, Alyssa Singhow and Benia Doss, who you heard up here last week co-preaching with Pastor Emily. And so I, I encourage you to think about this for yourself, but also think about this in the community and to contact these two if you have, if you have thoughts. How do you want to save how do you want to spend? How can we prepare? And what do you want to prioritize? Will you please pray with me? Good and gracious God, in this post-Thanksgiving holiday season, we ask for your guidance in how we earn, how we save, and how we give of our resources so that we might be wise and discerning in our use of money. Help us to be attentive to our own needs, our own fears, as well as attentive to the needs of those around us. At UVC, we ask for guidance and for clarity during this time of transition, that we might make choices that are consistent with your gospel, that are rooted in your lessons, so that we can share your love and your good news in our ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.